Hello and welcome to another episode of the Economics in Business podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Martin. A quick recording note before we begin. This episode, which focuses on virtual reality and augmented reality, was recorded several months ago before the beginning of lockdown in the UK. And because of this, we don't directly mention lockdown or the impact of the COVID-19 crisis in our discussion. However, we do feel that all of the content in the episode is still completely relevant to businesses and to the economy in general. If you'd like more information on the solutions VR and AR are providing throughout the COVID-19 crisis, you can listen to PwC's Business in Focus podcast episode, Visualize Your Response, which also features today's guest, Jeremy Dalton from PwC's VR and AR team. You can find it through our website or using the link provided in the description of this episode. For our latest view on the economic impact of COVID-19 on the UK economy, you can visit our dedicated site where updates are published weekly. Now, without further ado, our original episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Economics in Business podcast. I'm your host, Freddie Martin. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about virtual reality and augmented reality, or VR and AR, their use cases across a number of sectors and their potential to drive significant economic growth over the next 20 years. Joining me today in the studio are Jeremy Dalton, a VR and AR specialist at PwC, and Ryan Hamilton, an economist from our team who's been involved in quantifying the potential impact of these technologies on the UK economy. Thank you both for joining me today. Pleasure to be here. Now, my first question is going to be quite a basic one, but uh, Jeremy, I was hoping if you could talk a bit more in detail about exactly the difference between VR and AR. Sure. So these immersive technologies are all about integrating digital elements within our world more strongly. So on one side, we have virtual reality. This is where you are completely uh, enveloped in a digital environment, usually through a headset. And that makes you feel like you're part of this different world uh, in a different set of circumstances and so on. Augmented reality, on the other hand, is where you are still in the real world and you are receiving an overlay of digital information, objects, data, on top of that real world and that can either be through your mobile phone or through another head-mounted display. So already we've seen this technology filtering through into everyday life. Uh, I think largely people tend to associate uh, VR and AR with entertainment, um, so gaming devices or filters on social media and on mobile. Uh, but I was wondering what other use cases have you found for this technology and how does this fit into your work at PwC? There are many use cases of the technology and one of the big ones is actually in training. Um, there are use cases in design, in data visualization, in the visualization of assets in different parts of the world, um, as well as in, uh, in the consumer sector, of course, with entertainment and marketing, uh, some of the stuff that is usually talked about in the press, so is more well known. But to talk about the, the business side of things, training is one of the, the biggest use cases that we're seeing out there. And that can be training from a soft skills perspective or a more hands-on technical perspective. So soft skills, for example, could be around helping you to deal with difficult conversations, helping you to improve customer customer interactions. Hands-on technical training could be helping you to get to grips with a certain procedure on a machine in the real world that you need help and instructions on how to 
uh, how to perform certain actions. With that overlay of digital information, you can have um, buttons flashing that you need to press in terms of the, your next step. You can have um, arrows showing you how to turn a valve in which direction and which valve to tackle. And all of that helps to reduce errors, um, increase the or decrease the risk increase the safety of the uh, of the interactions helps make the training more scalable uh, you can conduct this training simultaneously with many people around the world and that all results in reduced costs and greater efficiencies for business and so these are use cases that you're seeing at the moment do you see that there are more opportunities for technology as it develops and matures in the future yeah absolutely there are a few challenges that are um preventing the the fast widespread adoption of the technology currently but all of these are being tackled so to quickly run through them uh, they are uh, education experience cost and content and going through those um, quite summarily what we're talking about is education a lot of people don't understand the true potential of the technology they haven't experienced it firsthand or they haven't experienced it at a high level uh, when we talk about experience, by that I mean the user experience, how easy it is to set up, how intuitive it is to use the technology. Um, if it isn't intuitive, that's obviously um, an issue in terms of people using it regularly. When There's also a cultural perspective that comes into it. We're used to using keyboards and mice and a 2D screen which doesn't move. However, this is a completely different paradigm where you are now potentially using your voice to control the system. You're using gestures. You are perhaps using eye tracking technology. So you're selecting menu items by looking at them. And you have a screen in front of you that effectively moves with your view. So you're able to naturally look around this virtual environment. That's something that we're not used to in terms of the way we work. So it will, it will take some getting used to but also on the side of the, the supply side it will take some better development and understanding of what creates a good user experience and interaction uh, and then we have cost fairly self-explanatory um, costs are of course coming down all the time the sort of hardware we have now used to cost hundreds of thousands of dollars only about 20 30 years ago uh, and then we have uh, the content Less of an issue for business because they generally produce bespoke content, but from a consumer perspective, uh, being able to have access to very a lot of high quality content um, to the quantities that we're used to is still not quite at that level from a, a VR perspective. So going back to your first point about education being a key tool to helping to harness some of this potential growth, I know that PwC recently released a report called Seeing is Believing that was trying to quantify some of the potential impacts. But could you tell me a bit more about what led to this report and why it was commissioned? Sure. So the reason we commissioned this report is because we noticed that there were a lot of misconceptions um, in the business world about virtual reality and augmented reality technology. There was a general view that it didn't have business value or it didn't have significant business value, that it was mostly an entertainment and a gaming device primarily. And um, we wanted to be able to get across the real value that these technologies can offer to businesses across all industries. So our main aim was to fill that knowledge gap, uh, but also do it in such a way that businesses had 
a number that they could call upon so uh, or a set of numbers even that they could use in their own business cases when they're trying to understand the impact of the technology uh, and that when they're perhaps trying to uh, build a business case for adoption of the technology in their own company. So Ryan, I know you were part of the team that conducted this research, so I was hoping uh, if you could talk a bit more about the main findings of the report and a bit about your methodology. Thanks, Freddie. So the key finding really from this report is that we calculated AR and VR technologies to benefit businesses and people across the globe by around 1.5 trillion US dollars, and that's by 2030. In addition, we estimate that around and just over 23 million jobs would be enhanced as well by those technologies. And really the approach I can summarize in three different sort of stages. The first stage would be around the identification and research around that list of use cases that we used. The second stage then we focused more on the specific productivity increases that we would expect, likely that would likely occur from each use case. And then lastly, we used our computable general equilibrium model to estimate the wider aggregated impacts as well for the rest of the economy. And really the thing that stuck out to me the most and was really the most surprising result was the fact that two thirds of these impacts really came from augmented reality. And I think probably to many of the listeners, that's quite a surprising result. And to Jeremy's point earlier on, I think the reason for this is actually that we feel much more comfortable describing virtual reality as opposed to augmented reality in terms of its definition. And augmented reality actually has some very significant benefits across some huge sectors, such as the likes of healthcare. In healthcare, if you take, for example, a complex surgical procedure, the surgeon can use a head-mounted display to look at some of the vital signs of the patient throughout that procedure, such as heart rate and the respiratory rate. And then you can also, if you think about it, use then 3D projections as well onto the patient. So if we take, for example, the, some of the major blood vessels to make, ensure that the efficiency and also the success rate of those procedures are um, increased as well. So that just gives some sort of flavor as to the potential benefits across some huge sectors for augmented reality. So, um, as you say, this is an estimate. This is a projection for future growth. Um, and we've mentioned a bit, a bit about what the main barriers might be in terms of costs, in terms of education, and how we might start to overcome these. So I was just wondering, Jeremy, what's your advice to businesses now looking to adopt VR and AR technology to increase productivity? So there are five real um, areas I would advise uh, businesses on when it comes to adoption of virtual reality and augmented reality technology. And the first one is to make sure that you're focusing on a business problem. So there is a temptation to get distracted by the hype and the novelty and the excitement of virtual reality and augmented reality technology. And they, they are indeed very exciting technologies, but that is not the reason to adopt them. And if that is the reason, it will, it, it will be a fairly short-lived solution in business. So really think about what is the business problem or the business opportunity that you're trying to take advantage of and focus on that. Keep that in mind as you are exploring the use of the technology. Number two is to think about more than just the software. 
There are many aspects of a virtual reality or augmented reality implementation. The development of the software is one piece of the puzzle. The other pieces are around designing the solution, designing it from a user experience perspective, designing it from a content perspective, designing it such that it is likely to be successful when you deploy it in your organization. And then, as I've mentioned, deployment. Deployment itself is a massive stage uh, comprising, it could be anything from uh, a one-off event in a local office all the way through to a, an international deployment of a thousand plus headsets uh, across different countries in the world. Uh, if you look at organizations like Walmart, for example, they've deployed 17, over 17,000 virtual reality headsets across their training centers and stores in the US. So that deployment stage is absolutely critical. And thirdly, creating a seamless experience. So this is very much connected to the user experience point. Consider how your audience are going to engage with it. Um, consider how they engage with technology currently. Test it with them as you are going along. And not only the software, but also the hardware itself to make sure that you're selecting the right solution for your target population. Number four, get stuck in with a test case. So this is basically advice around, yes, there needs to be some deliberation, some strategy around it, but that shouldn't be so long-winded that six months later you're still discussing a potential solution. There is much more value to be, be gained just by getting in there and trying something small, seeing what results you get out from that small pilot, and then building on that. And then finally, measuring this result and acting accordingly. Once you've got it deployed, gather that feedback, um, talk to the people who are using it day to day and understand how valuable uh, or not it is and then act accordingly. Either based on that, choose to continue to the product, uh, choose to go in a different direction or in fact choose to abandon it completely. At the end of the day, there is no failure in being better informed. Well, thank you so much for all of that helpful advice. I'm sure many people will be very interested to uh, learn about, learn more about VR and AR. It's clearly a very exciting space, and as we've, as we've discussed, the potential impact of this technology is enormous. Um, if you'd like to learn more about this topic, head over to the virtual reality page on the PwC website, where you can find out more about the work that PwC does in this space, read up on our advice for businesses, and download a full copy of our Seeing is Believing report. There will also be a link in the description of the podcast. Make sure to subscribe to keep up to date with the latest episodes of the Economics in Business podcast and thank you for listening.